Hi, this is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast. With me is my friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Let's get right into it. we got uh, a lot to talk about. One of the issues that has come up of late is uh, the issues of um, John Kerry, of course, and his recent comments about Christianity and everything else. Well, he didn't actually, in fairness, he didn't say specifically about Christianity, but he did refer to antiquated ideas that are 2,000 years old. <laughs> I don't know of any other religion that started hmm, about 2,000 years ago. Um, and Judaism started before then, of course. And 5,700. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, Islam, and 1300. Islam 1,300 years ago. And Buddhism 700 or 800. He certainly wasn't talking about Buddhism, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Anyway, so I think he was talking about, I think he was dissing Christianity. I think you might be right. Yeah. But these are the, you know, he thinks they can get, not that he can get away with it. It's just that he, he has no problem saying these things. Look, here's, here's something that uh, kind of dawned on me on my Sunday show the other day. And that is that one of the hallmarks of liberalism is that they come out with an idea and you better agree with it. And if you don't agree, agree with it, then there's something wrong with you. And, and lost in all this is their notion that when they come up with an idea, it is the only idea necessary to resolve that per certain problem. So, for example, minimum wage. Only minimum wage can help out people to make sure that they can get a, uh, a livable wage, to use their phrase. Only that way. You see, and then, then the game is all about whether you're for or against the minimum wage. And if you're for it, that means that you are for people having a livable wage. And if you're against it, well, then you're against people having a livable wage. Likewise with affirmative action. If you are for affirmative action, that means you are for giving minorities a break and giving them a leg up and to equalize the playing field and, of course, to get rid of racism. And if you're against it, then, well, by golly, you're, a, you're for racism. Because that is the only solution, you understand, affirmative action, to ending racism. Okay? And this goes on and on with uh, whether it's welfare uh, or whether it's regulations or whether it's high taxes. All those things, if you're not with them, then you must be against the very thing that they're trying to address. Uh, further than that, not only are you against the thing, you are against the very people that that thing is supposed to help. It's even more personal. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm saying it's not that you're for or against minimum wage. You're against working families. Right. That's right. You're against working families. You're against Archie Bunker <laughs> coming home with his lunch pail every day. Right. And, it, and we're the ones holding them back from, from life. And, and we're, we're, of course, increasing the poverty cycle and everything else. Okay. So here are all these programs that they throw out. And again, remember, it's their idea. Now this is, I have to give them credit. It's, it's a little bit brilliant on their part, right? They decide what the issue is. And now we have to, we're always playing defense. So that applies to the global warming thing. They decide this is what is happening. And the solution is to completely revamp our entire economic structure. And, uh, and if you're against it, well, then you're, you, you're a Holocaust you're, – well, you're the equivalent of a Holocaust denier for one thing. You're a climate disruption denier. Right. You're against those poor people who are living in their little village on the Seychelles Islands who are going to have to learn to swim where they're going to drown That's in right. five minutes. Yeah, that, that's, that's who we are. 
Yeah. And it's, it's yet again another example of something that they have created. First of all, they invent the problem, uh, and in some cases, uh, and to some extent, racism is a problem that they have perpetuated because it serves their purposes. I would put it to you that racism doesn't exist anymore, except for the racism that they themselves have created. Yeah, I was thinking this weekend, if Donald Sterling is the worst problem vis-a-vis racism that this country has, we must be doing pretty well on I, the I, issue. I agree. Well, the fact that we have a black president uh, who, you know, is, who is very excited to refer to himself as, as the first black president uh, is a good indication that probably we're not a racist country. But that's, it's, so, it's so absurd to me, uh, this notion. And they, so they create problems on the one hand. And then they um, create the solution to this, this fictional problem. So global warming, on the one hand, requires cap and uh, trade. Cap and trade. Um, racism, it requires affirmative action. Um, income inequality requ- requires minimum wage. These are all fictions in their head. They, they are problems that don't need fixing, first of all. They don't exist. And to the extent that there are any inequities or bizarre behaviors in the economic bubbles that we have, uh, it's all a matter of their own creation. For example, here's another a very good example, was the whole housing bubble that um, culminated in 2008, right? Here's a, here's a bubble that, that create, they created themselves through their crazy regulations, their dictates, and they won't own up to it. They, they, that's the last thing they'll do. And so they instead blame Bush. And they create the solution for that. And that solution is to wildly ramp uh, up all the regulations on the banks and Wall Street. <laughs> Two entities that had nothing to do with, with the, the, the real estate bubble. Whereas the, the, the only entity that had anything to do with the real estate bubble was, that's right, you guessed it, Congress. Yeah, well, I, I, can I take that for a little bit? Because I, I, I think there's an even further place we could go with this. During that ramp up to what happened with the market crash and the real estate crisis, I would get into arguments with people, with people and say, the Democrats are crashing the economy. It's clear. They are, they are not allowing us to fix these socialist poisons that are in the system, the regulations, the over-involvement of government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, not, that's distorting the free market. And it's clear there's going to be a massive crash. Then the massive crash happens, and of course then they sell it, that you better elect Obama and allow us to go full socialism on the economy, because that, by golly, as you would say, that's the only solution right. to fix the problem. But they never say that the problem was that they went partial, if not three-quarter socialism right. on the way to that problem. Right. Even- and then they insist only bailouts, TARP, stimulus, porculus, <laughs> porculus. more socialism. Right. That's, it's always their solution is some form of, of socialism. And, and, and it's funny now that I think about it. Even when there's a scandal, their solution is, for example, Benghazi. They said, here's the solution to the problem. The problem was, of course, four dead Americans and this disaster that happened in Benghazi. And the solution is to get the bad guys who made the video. And there, there it is. That's what our solution is. Never mind what the actual facts are. And any but, other questions are just right. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they can't. You can't even imagine how anybody else would think differently than this. And 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 if you're you're if you're not following us, my dear conservative friends, 
well, you're just, you know, you're just ignoring reality. And you just hate Obama. This is just you hating Obama. That's right. That's, 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 uh, that's exactly the mantra. So it's always one solution that they propose, and, if, and it's only that solution that is acceptable to discuss. And if you're against it, like we talked about before, you're evil. And only if you're for it are you a reasonable Republican. Okay. So, the, if, so for example, minimum wage, uh, you know, they, they trot out that uh, Romney is for minimum wage. Uh, and then a reasonable Republican is somebody who thinks that it should be raised not to 10, 10, let's say, an hour as Obama's is offering, but he thinks that $9.75 is, is more reasonable. But it should be raised a little bit, don't you know? And that's, he's playing right into it, right into it. It's no different than these, these uh, anti-Israel kooks on campus who decide that the problem, they define what the problem is, right? The, the, the problem is that Israel is the apartheid state. And how are we going to stop up this, this apartheid state? How are we going to do that? And uh, then they offer divestment and all that stuff. So again, they, it, it's very similar. Do you see how? Yeah, and it it's is. the solution. It is the only way to look at things. And of course, they mischaracterize Israel altogether. They've completely you know, thwarted everything. But it's really an amazing thing that they do. And they do it very well. They are ahead of the game on us. It's the only thing they do well. It's the only thing they ever succeed at. Well, you know what? It is, you're, that's a good point, Ari. It is a little bit like um, complimenting the liar in how well he lies. Right. But he's still a liar. Okay? But he, he just does it well. Uh, or a thief who knows how to, or a pickpocket who knows how to, he knows his trade really well. And he knows how to take the wallet out of your pocket without you realizing whatsoever. And he can do it five times in a row and uh, just watch him operate. And you should you, you, thank you, him. That's right. It's an art. <laughs> well, yeah. But it's, it's, the point, of course, is that it's not, uh, we should not be lauding him. He's simply a crook. And this is what the liberals do. And my dear liberal friends, if you are listening, ask yourself, these, these solutions that we, liberals are proposing. Are these the only solutions? Has anyone asked you, have you ever asked your fellow liberals, are there other ways of achieving this goal that we have? So for example, from the action, if we detest racism, racism, and we all do, what is the most effective way of ending racism? Is it by affirmative action or is it some other tool? Is it possible that maybe the best way to end racism is to not engage in racism? That's, that's the key, right? And, and I'm going to get to an interesting point. I think you'll really like this, Ari. Um, because if, when you don't engage in racism, you, in fact, just let people, let the merit-based system work for itself. And you'll find people um, are thrilled to, to do the best that they can and the best reach the top. And so on. Now, many people who are contrary to me will say, Barack, you're being naive. There's still racism there, and that's, that's keeping people down. Okay, to which I respond, show me. Show me that. Because I think it ended in the early 60s. That whole attitude of, of pe keeping people down really ended in the early 60s. And by that, you mean the people who were the best at what they could do couldn't get the opportunity to be hired, even though they were the best because of the color of their skin. They were passed over for right. someone else. Right. And, and that was already happening, that, that things were getting much better, and we just needed to let it go. Um, everything would have been just fine. 
But here's the interesting point that I wanted to raise with you. Most of our solutions are free market based, which basically means it, it very often the case is to leave it alone. Just, just don't touch it. More often than not, kind of like the, the doctor's mantra, which is first do no harm, right? Well, do no harm. First, the first order of business is to think we should probably do nothing. Only the most rare circumstances should we intervene. That's when we intervene. And, and that might be a, an emergency a hurricane. Um, we might get involved there. And even then, there are some issues whether or not the local government should be involved, the state government or the federal government. But I digress. The point is that very often the answer is don't do anything at all. But how do you describe that? as a package, right? How, does, how, do, how do we Republicans, when they come up with these nice phrases like minimum wage, affirmative action, uh, Dodd-Frank, Obamacare, uh, these, are, these are phrases that immediately trigger active programs, right? Our response is no, do nothing. You don't, you don't give a name to nothing, right? Well, that, unless you, you, you use the phrase laissez-faire, I suppose. Yeah. But, you, but, but that's their word anyway. Yeah, well, you mean laissez-faire? Yeah, laissez-faire. I mean, they, they use that word to hammer us right. and, uh, as now, if it's a negative. It's a negative connotation. Yeah. But in the old days, it was not. And, um, but, the, but the point is that we don't, we don't have a name to apply to it. We don't say... Well, I have one. Go ahead. For crying out loud. But, you know, the Republican Party doesn't listen to me, and that's why they lose. Okay? <laughs> yeah. But here it is. National healing. The body heals on its own. If you scratch your arm or get a scab on your knee right. and you start getting in there and you start scraping it open and rub more dirt and try, you know, sort of call in the doctor to perform surgery on it, it'll take longer to heal than if you just let it heal. Right. So why don't – if I was elected president on, uh, in November of 2008 in the wake of the economic crisis, I would have said we're going to have a time of national healing. We're going to let the country have a chance to heal itself. And if it doesn't heal, that means it's sick, and we're going to have to take things, kick it up a notch, and take it to the specialist. Yes, I agree 100%. But who could argue with national healing? Right. Because then, if they want, well, we need to stimulus, and I'd be like, well, then you obviously don't want, you're against healing. Right. See I, I, why I'm we, so brilliant? We need a, it, that actually is a brilliant thing. We need a phrase. That's the important thing. And that's the interesting point I wanted to raise, which is we need a name for the the non-action that we want. A national healing is a, is a good uh, example. We um, or, organic um, self-regulation or the invisible hand. That's what it was by Adam Smith, right? He used that phrase. Um, but that that applies to the economy. So and um, but of course they would use it negatively toward us. They've used the phrase trickle down economics against us as well. Although I don't think it was truly a conservative phrase. No, it was invented by George Bush to attack Ronald Reagan. Right. And it was the opposite of what free market economics was. I, I proposed in the same vein of our conversation years ago. I said it should, we should be calling it bloom up economics. Right. Okay. What, are you against flowers? <laughs> okay. Let's – You I don't, get my point. I do, but I don't want to drill down on that. What I really want to say is about how we always need to understand that it's perfectly fine to ask – a liberal the following question. All right, my friend, you, you say minimum wage is the answer. Uh, I, I say it's not. Liberal, can you tell me, are, are there any other solutions to the problem? 
pause. And then what do you mean, Barack? I'm, I'm asking you, are there, you, you, you think minimum wage is the answer. Can you think that perhaps there's another way to resolve the problem, which you say is this, this inability to have a living wage, that too many people are not living in a living the wage people situation? People aren't earning enough money. Okay. Is there another way of, of achieving that result? And it's, it's, it'll be amazing. If you actually ask that question, it'll trigger all sorts of thoughts in their heads. Well, I don't know of any other. Okay, you know, Mr. Liberal, I, I know you're just kind of echoing what's out there in the news for the time being, what the Obama administration says is a solution, but I'm asking you as a bright, young, intelligent human being, an American who cares about his country, are there other solutions to this? Are there other ways of about going about doing this? I can't think of any. You can't think of any? Seriously, is this the only answer? Yes, for now, that's, that's the only answer. Okay, how about affirmative action? Is there only, any other way to end racism? I, I can't think of other. Okay. Mr. Liberal, is, is there any other way to help people uh, make sure they have enough food on their plate other than giving them food stamps? I can't think of anything. Okay. Right. Is there any other way, my, my liberal friend, of uh, making sure that uh, we have high revenues for the government than by increasing the tax rate? Is there any other way? Yeah. Or how about this one? Is I, there any, I, I can't think of any. Is there any way to make schools better other than pumping more money into them? Oh, I love that. I, I love that. It's a great. Is there any other way? Beautiful. That's a, such a good example. And if you ask that question, they, they'd hear themselves saying, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. Yeah, they realize their complete lack of creativity and complete ossification of their brain functions. Beautiful. Exactly right. And that's where we need to get them. Okay, that's one of the things, you know, we, we can, you can ask a question to liberals. I mean, Dennis Prager talks about always ask about the consequences of a certain policy. And I think that's a brilliant way of, of inviting the question. I think if you ask them, are there any other ways of resolving this problem, that also opens a lot of doors. My favorite thing is, and we talked about this before, how do, how do we speak to zombies, right? We, you ask them, meaning liberals, because they think only monolithically, you ask them uh, questions. You know, you, you bust their assumptions, right? That is another way of doing it. But asking them about the other alternatives really gets them. That you should have a lot of fun with. And that cuts across the board. And thank you for that example of the public education because it's so transparent. It's so, I, I think it's the most disingenuous argument We've any liberal can make, yeah. any liberal can make when they say that uh, public schools are the, the answer and we need to get more money and they're against, against school vouchers. I, I just, I can't get that. Well, against school choice, school vouchers school choice. and privatization. The trifecta. They're totally against it. They can't even move on any one of those three. They right. can't compromise a little bit. Right. And, and when I would ask on public education, hey, how about if we had a world where there was no public education, no mandatory public education at least, what would happen then? And they all just, they immediately race to the, 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 the parade of horribles uh, and they say, well, gosh, it, you know, we would have dummies on the street and People will just be truant and, and all those things. We have to force them to go into school. I'm like, really? You think the parents aren't interested in educating their children? I'm not talking about regular parents. I'm not talking about abusive parents. 
And if, if you think that we have to change our entire system because there's one or two percent of parents out there that couldn't give a crap about their own kids, I think that's an unfair way of, of going about business. You're talking about 98% of the population of parents want their children to be educated. And not only that, they want them to be educated well. Okay? There would crop up a wonderful system of localized schools, and they would learn, and they would learn far better than what they're learning now. And you wouldn't have to tag it to the to the wherever they happen to be living. They could, if they wanted to take a two-hour drive, talk you can call it self-busing if you like, but if they wanted to take a two-hour drive from one part of the city to the other. Affirmative mobility. Affirmative mobility, then then by golly, let them do that. But don't tell them they have to go to this school. In the middle of a ghetto. In the middle of a ghetto, simply because that's the only place where they can afford the rent. Yeah. I, I, that is horrific to me. That's racist. That's racist. How you can demand that and require that of people? Well, then people, then Barack, you see parents will be forced to want to be uh, involved in the school system. And, uh, you know, we can bust people in and then they'll be care, they'll care more for it. And I, and I, to which I respond, hey, guess what, my friend? They tried that 50 years ago. It was a disaster. No, and, and you're just going to keep on doing the same thing over and over again? At what point? Do, are the parents actually going to give a crap about a school that is, uh, you know, 100 miles away from them? It's not going to happen, and it never will happen. So by the time that it does happen in some fantasy world of yours, your kids that are going to this public school will learn nothing other than to hate America. Okay. Well, there's also another side to it. You've you hit on something so profound, I think, is you talked about how uh, if you ask the question, well, if there were no public schools, and they go, well, all the kids will be in uh, playing in the gutter like urchins in Oliver Twist. Right. Right? Right. That's and right. your response, quite brilliant, said, yeah, but most won't. 98% of people are normal. Yeah, I'm going to use the N-word. Normal. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. For the, so the liberal, in every issue, loves to create binding, promulgating laws for the 2%. For the 2% of kids who have gender identity issues, we're going to change the bathroom situations for everyone. For the 2% of people who, for some reason in America, aren't doing well, and I feel for them, we're going to change the minimum wage laws that affect everyone. Right. For 30 million uninsured out of 300 million, taking Obama's numbers, we're going to destroy the health care system for everyone. Right. I, on and on <laughs> and on. Right. It's a wonder to me why they haven't decided to change the entire writing system because you understand 4% of the population is left-handed, including the president himself. So It's unfair. We have to st- start writing up and it down. Is totally, exactly. That, that is my solution. If we Single write, column. Yes. Then, books will be 10 miles long on a scroll. That's right. That's far more fair, don't you think? Thank you. That's all I'm asking. Four percent of the population is suffering with that crippled hand, you know, <laughs> with the with Obama himself They're pushing the paper yes. with their left hand rather than pulling the ink across. And the horrible crime of smudging. Uh, please, you know, the, you know this. You Do know, you know you the ink, poison of of graphite pencil ink poisoning kids' bloodstreams? It's terrible because they've dragged the heel of their hand across the pencil lead. You see, you see what I'm saying? This I, we need to propose this solution. And we need to give a name to it, verticalizing. We'll affirmative it, verticalizing. I, are you for or against affirmative verticalizing? Because if you're against affirmative verticalizing, you hate children. That's right. 
Uh, what, are you against reading and writing, sir? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're against literacy. <laughs> That's right. But we've just constructed their new campaign. Affirmative verticalization, <laughs> folks. It's got that Orwellian <laughs> ring to it in the word. <laughs> That's right. Like, this is one of those phrases that uh, you wonder, you know, people back in the 1950s, well, if they were able to visit the future, like, they wouldn't understand that phrase, like like the internet or email. Anyway, uh, this is this is... The whole mantra of the left is that they'll find people that are in the minority, in the minority, and they will want to revert and change the entire world around them. And, and you know, to, and, and I'll argue to some extent against myself. We are 2% of the population as Jews in America, right, Ari? Two, two and a half at most, I think. That's so, one half of 1%, actually. Yeah, we are far, no, in America, two to two and a half percent. But it is what it is. Regardless, that is far less than the number of, of gays in America, far percentage-wise, and it's far less than the left-handed people, right? Um, and, you know, people want to somehow, and 98% or 92% of the population is actually Christian and affirmatively Christian. This country was based upon Christian values and was founded by Christians. But, but in order to please folks like you and me, and uh, atheists out there, and I suppose Muslims and Buddhists and so on like that, which comprise maybe another total of 3%, we have to completely change our entire friggin' way of life. We can't have invocations anymore. Pledge of allegiance. Yeah, we, we don't yeah. allow school prayer. That's not forcing school prayer. They don't allow school prayer. You can't even bring your friggin' Bible because it might yeah. offend Penthouse, somebody. Penthouse magazine, fine. Bible, no. Right, exactly. Distorted reality. Distorted views. Distorted world. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with in this great country of ours, which is really facing a complete upheaval without us even realizing it. But it's this ability to take one person who is so-called suffering and use him as a pretext to change the entire, or I'll use the word transform. Fundamentally The, the very transform. foundation, fundamentally transform the very foundation of America. Where have I heard that phrase before? I just don't remember. Ah, it must have been another life. Or it's like a deja vu. But, here, but obviously we heard this in 2008. And this, these are the pretexts that people will say. Pretexts have always been the reasons why horrible things have happened in history. Always. Right? And I'm, I'm not equating what Obama is doing to those particular evil events. But I am saying that you can justify anything. You can do something quite destructive to the American economy, to our way of life, to our very foundation, when you simply are able to point to some people who cannot enjoy all the benefits of everything that everyone else is, that 99% of the population is enjoying. That's where we're facing, and I'm very concerned about it. One day, we'll learn, we'll all wake up and realize at some point that we are suffering the tyranny of the minority. Well, folks, thanks so much for listening today. This is Barack Lurie signing off. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
Just do it.